0: A few years ago, a young man named Larry Jones, who knows who Larry Jones is? Well, you know him by Chipper. <laughs> Larry Chipper Jones, from 2012, uh, retired from the Braves. Uh, he had been at Atlanta Braves for 20 years. And he had decided that 2012 was going to be his last year. And, and so, what happened, he announced it, and therefore he went on what you might call a farewell tour. And as he would visit the various cities around the country and the ballparks for the last time, the fans and the teams would offer him gifts and congratulations in appreciation for his play. Uh, he was He was the face of the Braves for. 20 years, and during that time, he had become a much respected and beloved baseball player, not only here in Atlanta, but even around the country. That's what Acts 29 is of sorts, isn't it? It's Paul's farewell tour. This was his third missionary trip, you might Remember? And now this missionary trip is coming to an end. And it would be his last substantial trip. In Acts 20, what we see essentially is Paul is heading home. He's seeking to go back to Jerusalem. And in doing so, what he was doing is he was circling back to the churches he had visited. And many of these churches he had been instrumental in starting. The text reminds us that he had spent a couple years in, in Ephesus, and from there he went to Macedonia, and there, from there he went on to Greece. In particular, when it says he went on to Greece, what it means is he went to Corinth, and he had spent some time in Corinth, the Bible says, in particular that he stayed three months in Corinth. Until the situation got a little dicey and he decided that it was time for him to head home. And as you read this text, you you get the sense that, that the Apostle Paul knew the finality of these visits. And knowing the finality of these visits, he wanted to spend as much quality time as he could with the saints. And so you see here that he stopped off in Philippi stopped off in Philippi to say goodbye to the saints and the brothers and sisters who were there in Philippi. And after leaving Philippi, he went on to Troas. And in Troas is where we find the beloved apostle in our text this morning. The bulk of our text this morning is the apostle in Troas. Acts chapter 20, in in one sense, beloved, is is um, among my favorite passages in all of Acts. For it reveals to us something very important. It reveals to us the heart of the Apostle Paul. And in particular, it reveals to us the heart that he has for the local church. The local church, beloved, is the heartbeat of God's kingdom in the world. And Apostle Paul understood this. And therefore, establishing and shepherding local churches was Paul's mission. And we can see this here in our passage this morning. And no matter where Paul went, and no matter what he did, his heart and soul was after the local church. church meant the most to Paul as it should us. And to this end, he leaves her with as much encouragement as possible. He wants her to be strong. He he wants her to remain steadfast. He desires for her to be faithful. And therefore, he offers to her encouragement. Encouragement. There are few words, beloved, that appear more frequently with more significance in the Bible than the word encouragement. Encouragement. The Greek word is parakaleo compound word. It comes from the prefix para, which means alongside of, like parallel. And the verb kaleo, which means to call. Parakaleo means call to call alongside of, to be called alongside someone, to encourage them, to strengthen them, to offer them hope. Encouragement is an action of giving someone support, offering them confidence, coming alongside them, and ensuring them of the hope that is there. Biblically speaking, it is to give strength and comfort to the soul. Encouragement. And the Bible, beloved, is a book of encouragement. It's a book of inspiration. It's a book of hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ is at the center of those scriptures. And therefore, what we see in the gospel is encouragement. Encouragement. Jesus Himself is called our encourager. Do you know that? First John chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an encourager, an advocate. We have one who will come alongside us and offer us hope. One who will bring peace and comfort to our souls. But not only is Jesus an encourager, the Bible says that the Holy, God, the Holy Spirit, is a comforter and encourager as well, is he not? In John chapter 14 and verse 16. And I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another encourager. Another helper who will come alongside you and strengthen you and encourage you and remind you of the hope that is yours. Jesus says He will be with you forever. The Scriptures are an encouragement. Romans chapter fifteen and verse four. For whatever was written in former days was written for your and for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. The Scriptures themselves are written for our encouragement to remind us of the hope that that is ours in Christ Jesus. But God doesn't give us his word to depress us. He gives us his word to remind us and to offer us and to encourage us in Because our God is an encouragement. He's the God of encouragement. Romans chapter 15 and verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. He is the God of encouragement. George Adams said, encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. If anybody knew this, it was the Apostle Paul. And that's why you see how well aware of it. He was a preacher of the gospel, a shepherd of the church of God. And as such, he understood that his primary calling was to encourage the people of God. Encourage them. And this passage here, this all of chapter 20 is a classical example of this. Verse 1 begins with encouragement. Verse 12 ends with encouragement. whole passage, beloved, is centered on biblical encouragement. What are the means of encouragement we see in this passage? But I want to suggest to you there are two, two important, practical, and even indispensable means of encouragement of the saints. The Bible reminds us this morning, if you will look with me, that encouragement comes through presence and comes through preaching. There's two ways that God desires his people to be encouraged. Through presence and through preaching. Notice Paul's presence. The first means we see of God's encouragement to God's people is being in community together. Verse 1. Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed Macedonia. He sent for the disciples. Why did he send for the disciples? He sent for the disciples, beloved, because he wanted to be in the company of the saints in Macedonia one last time. Because there, beloved, we find the encouragement of the Spirit in the midst of the fellowship of the saints. Because encouragement is how we should leave one another. It's how we should leave one another. Don't you see that? Before he left them, before he said his final farewell, the Bible says that he encouraged them. He departed them with a word of hope. He departed them with a word of courage for their souls. You ever read how frequently when Paul ends his letters, he ends them with encouraging words? Because this is how we should leave one another. Leave one another in hope. Leave one another in courage. Leave one another looking to Christ. Leave one another taking courage. He ends Romans chapter sixteen, verse twenty five, he says to the saints, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mercy of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. That's how he leaves them. He leaves the saints in Corinth, chapter 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace be with you all. That's how he leaves off his first letter to the Corinthians. Of all the trouble that he was addressing, how does he leave them? He wants to encourage their hearts. Be encouraged. He leaves off the letters to the Philippians. After thanking them for their gifts and their their willingness to stand with him in the ministry and to offer themselves and their financial resources to the furtherance of the gospel, Paul says in chapter 4 and verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Encouragement. Encouragement. How does Jude in this letter? Now to him, after addressing the heresies and the heretics and the dangers, he says to the saints, "Now to him, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, encouragement." This is the nature of biblical encouragement in community, beloved, not only do we greet one another with joy, but we leave one another the same way. We leave one another encouraged. We leave one another looking in hope to Christ. Why? Because this is the way we love one another. It's not only how we leave one another. This is how we should love one another. This is how Paul loved them Paul spent time with the saints, and he spent time with his brothers in the Lord. After he had left off with the disciples and encouraged them in verse 1, notice what it says in verse 3, that after three months in Greece and Corinth, he returned back to Macedonia. He's tracking back, and with him, some of his dearest friends in ministry— They were an encouragement to him and likewise he to them. He loved them. And Paul was in fellowship because this is where Christian love is fostered. This is where we find encouragement. And this is where Christian love is experienced. And these in the ministry with Paul they were some of his dearest friends, dearest friends, beloved. Timothy was with him. You know what he says about Timothy, Philippians chapter two and verse nineteen. For I have no one like him. Have no one like him, Paul says. Who will genuinely be concerned for your well? Aristarchus was there. Know what he says about Aristarchus? In Colossians chapter 4 and and in Philemon Philemon 20, verse 24, he called Aristarchus his fellow worker and his fellow prisoner. There was a bond. There was a brotherhood. Tychicus was there. Know what he says about Tychicus in Ephesians chapter 6? Verse 21, he called him a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. These were his brothers. These were not just his friends. These were his co-laborers. These were the means through which God used to encourage Paul's heart. And these were the ones that Paul gave his life to in encouraging them. They spent time together. They served together. They worshipped together. They prayed together. They studied together. And thus they learned to encourage one another because they loved each other. Our dearest friends, beloved, should be encouragers to us. That's really what makes them friends. Too often times, as Christians, we get it twisted. Your dearest friends should be those who are encouraging you on to the Lord. Those who you are encouraging in the Lord as well. The Lord has blessed me over the years with some wonderful close friends in the ministry. And, beloved, these are not guys I grew up with. I had some close friends in high school. I had a few close friends in college. But those friends today are not encouraging me unto the Lord. And while on a real sense, they may be friends on Facebook. They are not really friends of mine, because my friends are those who are encouraging me unto the Lord, and I am encouraging them as well. That's what biblical friendship is. A lot of us need to really reevaluate our relationships. I'm amazed, I'm amazed at how many people struggle in their Christian life and all you have to do is ask them, well, who are you hanging with? Who are you talking to? Are you spending your time with people who will encourage you unto the Lord, who are pointing you to the hope of Jesus Christ? This is what friends do. They not only leave you encouraged, but they love you encouraged. Now, beloved, that does not mean that we should not have unsaved friends. But it does mean that even your unsaved friends should be receiving from you. Encouragement in the Lord. Not to continue encouraging them in their foolishness. And I bet you my last dollar that if you do that, they won't be close friends for long. (laughs) But you will find, beloved, that your dearest, most precious friends will be those who encourage you to hope in. Songwriter headed right, beloved. Blessed be the ties that bind our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Encouragement, beloved, comes indeed from presence. It's being there. It's being in the midst of the saints. And leaving and loving one another with biblical, Christ-centered hope. But not only did the encouragement come through Paul's presence, you see here that the encouragement also came through Paul's preaching. And Paul was not just present with these saints, but notice that when he gets to Troas, the encouragement was that Paul was eager and willing to share his gift. And the encouragement was in the preaching of the word. In verse 7 it says, On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his his speech until midnight. Beloved, the saints were gathered together for worship. It was Sunday evening service. Notice what happened. They broke bread. They celebrated the Lord's Supper. And they heard the word proclaimed. It was a fellowship of the word and the sacrament. With the emphasis in this text upon the word. With an emphasis upon the word. Upon the word preached. And notice the characteristics of Paul's sermon here. First of all, it was a long sermon. The Bible wants us to know that Paul's preaching on this occasion was not a sermon meant for Christianess, it had substance to it, it was robust, it took time. And he took his time as well. We don't know how long Paul preached. But no doubt it was an extended amount of time. No doubt he preached for a few hours. For the saints would have gathered on this Sunday evening after work. And as they were gathering in, it began to get dark. For there was a need for lamps. There was a need for lighting. The night had come upon them. No doubt there were those there like some of you who would have thought Paul was going too long. But I am confident that the majority of those no doubt appreciated the ministry of the apostle and was blessed at the hearing of the word preached. Why, beloved? Because they understood, as Romans chapter 10 reminds us, that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't don't, don't misunderstand. This passage here is not advocating two or three or four-hour-long sermons. The time really isn't the issue. You want to make it the time being the issue, but the time really isn't the issue. The real issue here is that there is encouragement in the Word. And the saints understood that. And knowing that they would find their encouragement in the Word, they were willing to sit for hours so that their soul might be encouraged. beloved, this, again, it's not apologetic for long sermons. But it is an apologetic for the encouragement of the heart that comes from the priest's word. Eager to get out of Sunday's sermons and go watch a football game is not going to encourage your heart. The Word of God does that. Why Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, like newborn infants, long, he says, long for the pure spiritual milk, the milk of the word that you may grow up into salvation. You grow up by hearing the word preached. You grow up by hearing the word proclaimed. And therefore, Peter says, like a newborn baby, Desire it. When a baby is hungry, what does the baby do? Give me milk. And the baby is not conscious of time. I don't care how long it takes. Just fill me up. Fill me up. Bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. The soul has after God longs for. You've been spending a whole week in the world slashing around in filth and mess. Your heart is weary. You need encouragement, and then you want a 10-minute sermon. Really. Give me the word. Fill me up. It takes an hour. Give it to me. Because I know when I leave here, I'm sloshing around again in mess. And I'm going to look around and long for encouragement. Again, beloved, this is not an apologetic for long, long sermons. This is an apologetic for the encouragement that comes through the preaching of the a long sermon no doubt it's not just a long sermon Did you know also for some reason it was a lethal sermon it was lethal Bob but it was lethal apparently because it was long And no doubt beloved no doubt it had been a long day you know the the Lord's Day was not a, a day that people were off work. The Christians were beginning to meet on the Lord's Day. It was their practice to meet on the Lord's Day. They went to the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue on Saturday and they witnessed to those in the synagogue, but on Sunday, the Lord's Day, they gathered for worship. But most of the time that worship was in the evening because most of them had to work during the day. And they would gather in the evening, and no doubt. Many of them worked hard, had labor-intensive jobs, and at least one of them could not bear up under the link. His name was Eutychus, it's described here as a young man. Eutychus. You know his name literally means fortunate, fortunate one. One who has good fortune. Today, the world would say he's lucky. They'd probably nickname, they called him Lucky. <laughs> Unfortunately, for the fortunate one, he fell asleep. He wasn't in pews. He wasn't in chairs like some of us, but he was in the upstairs window. Now, beloved. I don't think you should uh, throw any kind of despairing thoughts and remarks at Eutychus. This is a long day. And he's desiring to be encouraged by the word. The place where they're meeting in the upper room is packed. They're meeting on the second floor. It's packed in the upper room. And the only seat that Eutychus could probably find is in the windowsill, up in the balcony. And rather than go home, because it's too full, and it's too hot, and it's uncomfortable, he wants to hear the word proclaimed. And he's going to hear it any by any means necessary. If I have to sit in the windowsill, then I will sit. there he was sitting there and no doubt the air conditioning wasn't working it was growing hot paul was growing long and it was growing late and his eyes just could not stay Unfortunately, the fortunate one fell asleep. And in the windowsill, beloved, and falling asleep, he fell back onto the ground. Three stories. And he fell to his death. Unfortunate for the fortunate one that he fell. But fortunately, Well, the fortunate one, he was not listening to me preach, but he was listening to the Apostle Paul. And the encouragement of God's word gave way to the encouragement of God's power on display. Beloved, believe it or not, I have had people fall asleep on my preaching. Some of you have done so. It's okay. I encourage myself by knowing that if, you, if they can fall asleep on Paul, I am not surprised that they fall asleep on me. But notice, beloved, notice, notice that what God does. God used the miracle through Paul for the encouragement again of the church in verse 12 it says, And they took the youth alive. After Paul had gone down and, and, and grabbed the youth and fell upon him and hung him and took him into his bosom. He encouraged the saints by reminding them his life is still in him. Fret not. Take courage. Be not dismayed. God. Has been good this day. And notice what it says in verse 12. And they took the youth away alive. And were not a little comforted. Or a better way of putting that, Lee. They were greatly encouraged. Encouraged. You know what happened? After the youth was brought back to life. Paul paused for a moment, got something to eat, and went back to preaching. You know why, beloved? You know why Paul did that? You know why he had such a long sermon? Because it was a loving sermon. You do understand that, don't you? It was a loving sermon. Why did he speak for such a long time? The Bible says in verse 7, He prolonged his speaking because he was departing from them on the next day. He was departing from them on the next day. His preaching was full of affection for them. He cared for his brothers and sisters, and he knew there was no greater expression of his care and love for them than to share with them the word of God. No doubt, no doubt in preaching such a long message, beloved. When you preach for a long time like that, there is no doubt. That there are people who will be sitting there and they'll be saying to themselves, like some of you do, well, he said that before. Well, I've heard that before. You know what Paul would say to that? He would say, no doubt. And that is because I love you, I remind you of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, he tells them, Now I will remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preach. Paul, we've heard that before. Yes, and because I love you, you're going to hear it again. Know what he said to the Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 1? Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. It doesn't bother me, beloved, to get up here Sunday after Sunday and preach Jesus. You may have heard it before, but it is no trouble for me, and I know that it is safe for you. So we repeat ourselves. Hope in God. Believe in Jesus. Trust in Christ. That's all Philip ever says. Trust in Jesus. Now he won't say it anymore now that I said it. See? (laughs) Yes, we repeat ourselves. Beloved, it's because we love you. We pray that you understand the affection. In the sermon. And though it goes and though it goes long, beloved. It goes long because there's a love. It goes long because there's a desire for you to be encouraged and to understand and to know to have these truths deep in your soul. encouragement in the preaching of God's word. Beloved. Even in Paul's sermon. Though it was long, and though it was lethal, it was loving. It was loving. You know why, beloved, preaching is an encouragement? Do you know why preaching is an encouragement? Preaching is an encouragement because preaching, beloved, is the word of Faithful preaching is the word of God. That's why you and I should desire it. Notice what Paul says to the Thessalonians, in Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, where he says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The Word of God. The Word of God. Paul says, this is not Socrates. This is not Plato. This is not Shakespeare. W.E.B. Du Bois or James Baldwin. This isn't Oprah Winfrey. When we stand here to proclaim what we say, we proclaim the words of God. Do You receive them as such. For that is what is at work in you as believers to grow you up in the faith. For you do understand, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4 and 12, right? For the word of God is a living and active word, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the vision of the soul and spirit, of joints and marrows, and discerning the thoughts and intentions. Of the heart. It is heart surgery. You don't want somebody to rush when they're performing surgery on your heart. Take your time, Doc. Take your time. That's why the word preaching is an encouragement. And those who know that, they say like the psalmist, the word of God is more precious than a thousand pieces of silver. It is sweeter than the honeycomb. Because, beloved, in the faithful preaching of the word, what happens is that you and I see and taste that the Lord is. There is nothing more encouraging to the saints than the promises of God. And where are they contained? In the word of God. And that's why the saints desire to hear the word of God preached. Encouragement of the church, beloved, which first and foremost on the heart of the apostle. It is my desire this morning that East Point Church would be a church full of encouragers. I mean, beloved, if every week we could come into the midst of the fellowship and find oxygen for our souls, because we are desiring to encourage and, 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 and be encouraged. I want to encourage you this morning to be an encourager. I want to encourage you this morning to understand that that is what the gospel really does. It should make you an encourager. It should make you a bearer of good news to one another. A faithful church, beloved, is where the family of God is encouraging one another. It's what the Bible expects us to do as a church. It's expected of us. Those who understand who Jesus is, those who understand what Jesus has done in their life, those who understand the message of the good news of the gospel, They should be the best encouragers. The best encouragers. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are already doing. He assumed that that's what they were doing. He wanted to encourage them to keep doing it. Why? Because that's what Faithful Christians do. They don't discourage one another. They encourage one another. They offer to each other hope. This happens. This happens. It should happen when we are gathered together. Beloved, in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 24. The Bible says, and let us consider how we might stir one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We don't neglect to come together because in coming together is where we find the encouragement and the encouragements. Now, if I had a dime for the Christians who come to me discouraged and who also neglect the fellowship of the saints, I would be a man able to buy you a church building tomorrow. to the discouraged. The first thing I want to ask them, are, are, are you in the fellowship of the believers? Are you neglecting to come to church? Are you in Bible study? Do you attend some discipleship group? Are you in a home fellowship group? Are you gathering where the saints are gathered? Are you praying with the saints? Are you studying with the saints? Are you serving with the saints? That's where your encouragement comes from. And your discouragement could be due directly to the fact that you are neglecting the place where encouragement is. Because where the saints are, the word of God is proclaimed. And where the word of God is proclaimed. There is the encouragement. There is the encouragement. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. To correct, rebuke, and encourage. That's what the preaching of the word does, beloved. It is an encouragement. And there is no greater encouragement to the soul of the Christian. Than to be reminded of. That there is hope in Jesus. Trust in Christ. Look to Christ. Someone has rightly said, if you wish to be disappointed, look at others. If you wish to be disheartened, look at yourself. But if you wish to be encouraged, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. This is why, beloved, we don't point people to ourselves. This is why we don't point people to other people. We point each other to Jesus. This is why Paul says in St. Corinthians chapter 4 that we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ. We are to be a fellowship of the word, beloved. We must be a fellowship of encouragement. And you do understand that the encouragement doesn't stop when I sit down. No, beloved. Let it continue. Find someone today. Find someone today to offer encouragement. Find someone to encourage in the gospel. Find someone to point to Jesus. East Point Church will be a better place and you will be glad that you did. Point someone to Christ today. Be an encourager. That is who Christ is. That's who God the Holy Spirit is. That is the word that you heard this morning. Pray that that would be the lifeblood of every Christian in here this morning. Let's pray.